Hello, and welcome to episode 172 of the Show Before the Show podcast, the official podcast of MILB.com. I'm usually your co-host, Sam Dykstra, and as you can tell, this is going to be quite a different episode than our usual three strikes, interview, Ben's Biz banter style, and way of doing things. As we discussed on the show last week, our own Benjamin Hill was traveling to his home borough of Brooklyn to visit the Mets Class A short season affiliate at MCU Park. So we decided, what the heck, let's go along for the ride with him. So hello, and welcome from beautiful, world-famous Coney Island. Over the course of this episode, we'll talk about what makes a trip here to MCU Park unique. What you can expect should you visit by car, taxi, Uber, or one of the four subway lines that stop at Stillwell Avenue. Those are the D, F, N, and Q, by the way. We have friend of the podcast and friend to us all, Kelsey Hennigan, here as Ben's designated eater, and she'll take you through some of the beachside culinary delights you can find here at MCU Park. And we'll be back at the end of the show to wrap everything up. So again, thanks for joining us this week. Welcome to the birthplace of Jay-Z, Spike Lee, Sandy Koufax, Barbara Streisand, and Biggie Smalls. Welcome to the County of Kings. Welcome to New York's greatest borough. Welcome to Brooklyn. Like a mama, you birthed me. Brooklyn, you nurse me. School me with hard knocks. Better than Berkeley. Uh, so we're here at the ballpark uh, for the first of three Brooklyn Hefe's nights. And uh, I mean, the big question on a night like this is. How'd this come to be? Why the Brooklyn Hefes? How did this whole identity come about? Okay, well, obviously the initiative is started by minor league baseball, the Es Divertido Ser Un Fan, which basically translates into It's Fun to Be a Fan initiative. Um, we were kind of given sort of guidelines, but we took a whole um, different approach to it. It kind of took a mind of its own, and we figured what is so synonymous with Brooklyn and how can we translate that into Spanish. So it kind of turned out to be the bosses. Everyone has that I'm the boss mentality in Brooklyn. We are the best. So in Spanish, that is the jefes, the bosses. So that's kind of, you know, it started the whole initiative from there. And we figured, why not take it off and divide it up into three different nights and the Hispanic populations that are most predominant in Brooklyn, which are the Puerto Rican population, Dominican population, and Mexican population. And from there, we figured, let's focus a night on each of those. And here we are, the first night on Mexican Heritage Night. So it's, it's been fun getting involved in it. Um, and we've kind of had a hand in it. I know Rafael has been heavily involved as well. So <laughs> it's been fun, I could say that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love the logo, first of all, the, the crown, because we are obviously Kings County. It fit us well. And I feel like being in Brooklyn, our eyes were on us when we took this on. I feel like we had we had to blow it out of the water. Everyone's expecting a lot from us, especially after winning, you know, the promotional team of the year last year as well. And so we, we took it 
we took it and ran with it, and we started doing the kids' clinics, which I was heavily involved with. So we were going out to the community, reaching out to the little leagues that we currently work with locally from Brooklyn or a little further out. But we took them, we went to their parks, normally come here, so we went to their house, basically, and took took that on, and we, we had a great time with the kids out on the field. We went to a couple different fields. Um, uh, you wouldn't believe what some of them look like compared to when they come here. That's why they're always in awe when they get to play on the field here. Um, but that was all also awesome, and it's great to have the guys that aren't technically from the United States get involved, because normally we have guys that come here and we ask them to do things, but they technically can't really get involved much because of the language barrier. So half the time, I'm, you know, um, um, I'm translating what they're saying and then, tra- and then trying to translate what the kids are saying back to them. So that's half the time, but it was great this time. We just sent them out there and we were actually able to have them be hands-on and communicate with the kids, which was great. That was a big thing that I've noticed. I've done camps and clinics beforehand and that's, that's our biggest, biggest hurdle for us. And when you were talking about getting to the Hefe's and it being a boss's thing and being a Brooklyn thing and really blowing it out, what kind of short list for names did you guys come up with? Because looking at some of the other ones across you know, the minor league spectrum, it, it, some of them are very specific and some of them are very general. Uh, Hefe's, I feel like, is right in the middle there. So what was on the short list? Uh, well, it was narrowed down to two or three. Um, off the top of my head, the other option was Los Ciclones, which is the literal translation in Spanish. And we felt like that wasn't enough going back to the whole personality that is so dominant here in Brooklyn. So it was between those two that we narrowed it down and we figured Bosses was the best one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, what, what, how involved was minor league baseball? Because you said they started it, you know, the whole Copa de Diversión is a big thing. Uh, there was a trial. How many teams did it last year, Ben? Like, uh, there was four or five. Four or five, yeah, something like that. So were you guys studying that, or how did this kind of come about through minor league baseball's help and that initiative? Well, with them, obviously, they brought the idea to us, and they presented it and asked us if we wanted to be a part of it, and we definitely – jumped on that right away um their involvement on it like i said they gave us a couple guidelines and regulations but it was more of an inspiration list if that makes sense Mm -hmm. so obviously they have a say in a lot of what we do but they did give us a lot of creative freedom um with that being said we kind of took you know the liberty to do certain things and make each night a little different um but they've been involved but it's been mainly in-house that we kind of had the creative control yeah and how do you feel like the team has kind of taken to it you were talking about the clinics and them getting more involved in it i was talking to a player before who said you know it's fun to wear these because it's for the fans but this is something kind of unique in minor league baseball they made us a playlist (laughs) (laughs) we asked them uh they 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 were they loved it they ran at with with the idea they were on the bus headed back um for the where hudson valley they were headed back from hudson valley they had some time they made a place by the time they got here today they send us over a list and that's the stuff we're playing out on the field so that's that, that's as involved right. as you can get right that explains the dancing I think yes. a couple of them were doing that <laughs> they knew exactly what exactly. was coming exactly it definitely touches home for them and like Raphael mentioned when there's a big language barrier they're very hesitant to get involved in things like this so they are very happy They've we have a bunch of videos filmed that are going to be on the video board tomorrow so they're very help, happy to get involved and 
they're they're loving this. It mm. reminds them of home. Yeah, and you, Brooklyn is a very neighborhoody borough. Obviously, everybody yes. talks about what neighborhood they come mm-hmm. from before they mm-hmm. talk about coming from Brooklyn. What type of neighborhoods do you feel like you're tapping into more now through this initiative that you weren't necessarily getting to before? We did a lot more of work in the East New York side. Um, that's where the, I I grew I grew up a little bit there and played out there as well. We were missing that totally when we first started. Like the last two years I've been working here, we haven't been hitting just because of the mere fact that we have nothing that connects us to them. They just know we are a minor league baseball team connected to the Mets. Right. But now we have something that directly correlates with um, the Dominican guys, the Puerto Rican guys that are coming from the islands and coming here to, to live here. And now we have something to bring them in here for. And we have we, when we put these giveaways together as well, it's awesome. Like the the sugar skull for tonight, that I thought was a great idea. I know um, other teams have done it in the past. Um, we are doing the Metrosario tomorrow, obviously for the Dominican Heritage night. He was one of our best players here, and we're going to follow it up and do a package deal for the Coqui, which is the Tree Frog Puerto Rico, and pro- some of the proceeds from that is also going to Puerto Rico relief. So we're going to have a lot of people jump on that as well. I thought the, that those three things were perfect so what, for what we wanted to do for this initiative. Mm-hmm. And uh, you guys are obviously one of the, like you said, won the promotional team of the year last year, one of the more unique teams in, in terms of promotions. But in terms of how you guys have kind of developed promotions over the years, Seinfeld Night, Brooklyn Bagels, you know, the list kind of goes on. How, where does this rank in the last five years or so for at least community involvement? I would say personally, it's definitely up there, uh, not only because I come from that Latino Hispanic background, but it's something that is so heavily influenced, like games have been influenced by the culture, and it's something that's been lacking, especially in this neighborhood. We are in Coney Island, and we have one of the biggest Puerto Rican populations in New York, and we never really tapped into that, so I think it's so important now that this is home for a lot of these people and they tend not to come here and now that we are really embracing the culture it's definitely up there not only for us internally but for the fans as well so i think it's one of the top promos that we've done in a while because it hits home for a lot of people and how early in the process did you guys start seeing results because you know obviously part of it is to get people here buy Mm -hmm. tickets and whatever and have the giveaways but was it during the announcement was it during the clinics i mean when were you guys really starting to see this payoff in the communities you were going to um when we start reaching out to um uh, you know, like I personally reached out to the NYPD Hispanic Association. They're heavily populated by Porter. They haven't been here before, but they wanted to come because we're doing that go key package that we're going to send proceeds back to Puerto Rico. So that hits home for them. Hmm. So the things like that, they're going to bring out over 100 people on there and that alone. And I'm sure it has happened with the rest of everyone in here that calls out and reaches out to these local little um, groups and cliques and try to get them here for the specific night, something that really hits home for them and gets them here to have a good time because at the end of the day, that's what we want people to do. Jumping off of that, I think it was very early on, once we kind of announced the team name change, people were very intrigued by what the Hefes were. So from then, we made social media accounts just dedicated to the Hefes, not just changing our current uh, handles and you know profile pictures, but we started pumping that out really early, I would say in like February, March, and people were really starting to take notice of it. And then once we did announce those packages, people, it resonated with them, especially the Puerto Rico Relief Fund that we are working on. So I would say early on, but when we announced those promos, people really started jumping on the 
you know, I'm bored for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, uh, you know, everything we've talked about so far has been a, such a locally impact thing, and that's what minor league baseball starts with, but this is a national initiative. Yes. When you guys go to a promo seminar or talk to other teams, what are you going to tell them about what made this successful, and how do you feel like it could work on a national level? That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think, you know, if we do get that platform to really express what we, we've done here, uh, we could just basically tell them you need to tap into that local community, and obviously the word will spread, but reach out to areas that you wouldn't think would be interested. We have an actual interview set up for Friday with Fonzie and uh, Manny Ramirez, who is a local boy, but the interview is being done over Skype in LA. So obviously people have heard of that cross country. Right. So I think just really starting small, and working your way out, but really focus on something that, you know, tugs the heartstrings, which, you know, I guess the Puerto Rico did it for that. Manny Rodriguez is a local Brooklyn boy, and he comes from the Dominican uh, background. So really, if you have that story to tell, just really push it out there. Um, Gary mentioned this as uh, Edgardo Alfonso being the major jefe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, boss <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the boss of the boss. So yes, uh, in terms of uh, the buy-in from the team itself and... Um, you know what you're trying to do like in the clubhouse and have the players embrace it how important is he to this whole thing oh Fonzie he's the basically the key for everything that we did he he gets he gets the guys into it as well he he himself went all in he's the, the press conference for us he's he does the meet and greets for us he does everything he needs to do um, to help us uh, make this successful well he understands more than anyone else because he came up in that era of there was no one that can translate for you in minor league baseball so if anyone would understand what those guys are going through, it's those guys, it's him. So I know now things have changed a little bit. There has to be at least one translator on the, every team, but it's because of guys like him that laid the ground stone and actually made it to the major leagues and told everybody all the things that they've been through in minor league baseball and major league baseball. I think that that's why things are starting to change. And that's why we're doing initiatives like this and slowly um, going back into the Hispanic communities as well. Yeah, and I don't know how many conversations you guys have had with other clubs, but, you know, it, it, like we said, it started last year, four or five teams expanded to however many this year. Do you feel like this is gaining momentum almost everywhere from here on out? Absolutely. You see other teams that you never would have thought they would do any sort of Hispanic Heritage Night and now just taking a mind of its own, and it's really important. But I think, you know, going into next season, it's going to be bigger than ever, I think. Manny Rodriguez is not just a Brooklyn Cyclones player. He's also a Brooklyn native who grew up rooting for the Cyclones and also their parent, New York Mets. He's also a big proponent of the Jefe's identity, and I got a chance to talk to him. I was born, I was actually born in Kensington, and we reside in Fort Greene now. And you, you live in Fort Greene now? Or? Yeah, my mom lives there, yeah. Oh, awesome. Where about in Kensington? Uh, what subway stop? <laughs> uh, Church Avenue. Yeah, the F yeah. and the G. Yeah, that's right. Awesome. So growing up in Brooklyn, is baseball always a part of your story? Oh, every single day, yeah. yeah. I was either playing it or watching it. Nice. And where did you play growing up? Uh, I played for the first team I started off with was the SFX Huskies. They got me, you know, into the whole organized baseball thing. And then uh, after there, I went and uh, played for the Brooklyn Bonnies, which was like just like a, a more like bigger travel team. You know, played a bunch of tournaments, a bunch of like Little League World Series and things like that. Awesome. And um, now to be here in Brooklyn as a professional, 
Did that ever occur to you growing up? That you, you did you come to Cyclones games as a kid? I actually did. I came to a few, uh, you know, with my friends and also some of my little league teams. Um, you know, I, I grew up a Mets fan, so it was it was definitely a dream come true. Um, I don't know, just just watching the Subway Series and the good old Mets versus Phillies rivalries. You know, that that always stirred the pot for me, and that always, you know, I actually like try and pursue that dream. And who were your favorite players growing up? Uh, anywhere from Pedro Martinez, Manny Ramirez, Jose Reyes, uh, you know, all the, all the big Hispanic guys. Nice, nice. And uh, so today is the first uh, Jefe's game. Uh, what do you think about that identity? Is it something that, that resonates with you? Uh, I, think, I think it's a you know, great opportunity. I think that you know, this city is, is perfect for this you know, whole collaboration because I think that the amount of uh, loyal Hispanic baseball fans we have in the city is you know, outstanding. Um, I just think that not only are we bringing, not only are they bringing stuff to the table for the players in, in terms of like fans and stuff like that, but they can also show you know the other fans um, how you know how Hispanic people are serious about baseball, the enthusiasm, and then just like you know the, the great times that they have. And uh, you know here in Brooklyn, it's a short season. You're immersed in the day-to-day of playing, but uh, what are the things you can do as a Brooklyn native? to kind of uh, promote baseball in Brooklyn and uh, yeah, to be uh, an ambassador for your borough? Yeah, uh, actually, last week we had a little, uh, we kind of had like a Brooklyn Hefe's camp with, you know, a couple little leaguers. So, you know, I just showed up to the park, you know, just thinking I was just going to, you know, kind of supervise a little camp. But I actually showed up and it was the SFX Huskies, which was the first team I played with. So it was, you know, it was a surreal moment just seeing that logo again. And it was just, you know, it was a great time giving back and just, like, seeing the excitement that they had in this whole professional player, which kind of relates to me when I was growing up. And, you know, I just, for some reason, if I saw a baseball player, I would just go crazy. So it was kind of, it was kind of like a realization, like, wow, like, I'm here, but, you know, we're not done yet. And it's, you know, still a lot of work to be done. Yeah. And uh, on the Hefe's poster, it's, it's you there. I mean, did you ever think uh, this early in your career you'd be the face of the franchise? Uh, <laughs> no, not really. I mean, uh, I always thought I had a good smile, but I know it was that good. <laughs> so I guess, you know, I, I, I took it open-handed, uh, you know, open arms, and I just think it's a great opportunity. And uh, do you identify that uh, as a Brooklyn kid with the, the boss mentality? Oh, absolutely. I just think not only is it a Brooklyn thing, but it's a New York thing. Um, it's just, you know, the concrete jungle, so everybody walks around with a chip on their shoulder. So, you know, it's, 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 it's pretty awesome, honestly. It's, I think it was a perfect name for this team. Absolutely. Well, cool. Thanks. I appreciate your yeah. time. Anytime. So that was Ben with Manny Rodriguez. I also got a chance to talk with a Brooklyn Cyclones infielder in Carlos Cortez, a third-round pick this year out of the University of South Carolina. Uh, We talked about a number of things, you know, joining the Brooklyn Cyclones, what it's like to play here in Coney Island, what it's like to put on the Jefe's jersey uh, for the first time. And also, one of the coolest facts about him is that he's ambidextrous. When he plays the infield, he throws with his right hand. When he plays the outfield, he throws with his left hand. We get into all those topics right now. This is your your first pro season. Yeah. What's it been like transitioning to the to the pro game, you know, coming from college? Um, I think the biggest transition was really just playing every day um, and learning just the consistency of just being here every single day and uh, like you're playing every day. Right. It's different than college. Like you practice every day and you play 
three or four games a week, and this is seven days a week. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that's the biggest transition. Cool. And part of the reason we're here is to kind of like explore what Brooklyn Cyclones baseball is all about and what okay. that's kind of like. Yeah. What has your introduction been like playing here, um, playing in this stadium, in this environment? It's cool. Um, definitely not a lefty-friendly hitter's park, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's cool. It's, uh, it's been a nice experience. Um, it's a nice uh, first-year experience, really, because um, we've been to places that are very crappy, and like I feel bad, like because we have it nice here. Right. Um, so yeah, it's a nice experience for first year of baseball. And what makes this a nicer stadium from your point of view than some of the other places like Batavia um, or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I would say the clubhouse definitely. Yeah. And being able to play on turf, um, it's nice. It's easier. <laughs> it is easier because I wanted to ask about that being yeah. a second baseman. Yeah. How does that affect you? You feel like? Uh, not really. It's just it's a little bit easier just to kind of get back into it, play second, like getting true hops and you know just ball plays a little quicker. So you don't think as much. You just feel it and get the out. You know? So that's something you prefer is having to make the quicker reactions yeah. than than having to take the funny bounces. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And how do you kind of ease that transition? Is that just taking a lot more infield? I mean, how, how do you kind of transition from playing yeah, grass just, normally? Just taking more reps. Um, Definitely, like my reps, because I every day I would be in the outfield in college, so I right. would take all my reps in the outfield before the game in BP. And here before the game in BP, it's all at second base, so it's really just getting my reps in every day and um, kind of getting accustomed to it again. Mm -hmm. And what is it like playing here and having this introduction to the Mets fan base? You know, being so close, being in the same city. Obviously, it's not right next to City Field in Queens, but you're in the same area. Yeah, um, it's it's pretty cool because um, a lot of the people that are Cyclone, Cyclone fans are Mets fans, so right. they're pulling for you to be in the big leagues soon. So it's pretty cool because like they can see you go through the system. Mm -hmm. So yeah, and what is the what kind of conversations have you had with the Mets? You said talking about you know transitioning back to second base. Uh, when did they tell you that that's something they wanted you to do? The day I got drafted. Oh, okay. Uh, so I had no idea. I thought I was gonna play outfield, and then they just said, "Yeah, we're." Um, do you want to play second? I was like, yeah, I don't care. And then <laughs> I got the call and said second base. I was like, oh, <laughs> second base. Okay. Very so, yeah. Why are you so flexible with that? Was it just the opportunity to be a pro, or is there something about second base you really like? Um, I just like playing the infield, just being in, in the game a lot. It's a lot less boring than the outfield Yeah. in college. And uh, one of the fun things about you that a lot of people knew the second you were drafted is the ambidextrous nature of it. Yeah. How you throw lefty in the outfield, righty on the infield. When did that start for you? Um, when I was about eight years old, my dad thought it was a good idea to just switch over, start, yeah, to be right-handed, um, give me more options to play instead of just being left-handed. Okay. And being short, I can only play the outfield. So, yeah. Right. How did how what kind of drills were you guys doing? Like, what was your dad having you do to make sure your right hand was strong enough for that? Um, we literally just threw every single day. Just okay. Throw, um, work on just my mechanics, throwing, um, and then eventually got good enough. So then I started to get my arm strength to work on my arm strength to get it better. And, right. uh, yeah. At what point, or how long do you feel like that took? At what point did you feel comfortable enough to throw with your right hand? Um, I was about 12 years old when I got comfortable. Mm -hmm. Then about 14, I started doing it in games. 13, 14 in games. Yep. So, yeah. 
and how much were teams talking to you about that? You know, through the whole college recruitment process and even the draft process because you um, got drafted before that. Yeah. So out of high school, I played more right-handed because I was literally a right-handed player. Right. In high school and and in travel ball, I played second base. I caught and then I played outfield. Okay. As well. So I was just so I was pretty much a just I was ambidextrous, but I pretty much was a right-handed position player because right. I would play the right-handed positions. Okay. And they wanted me to play there, so. And then I got to college, and then I pretty much didn't play right-handed. Yeah. I literally didn't play right-handed at all. And then um, just kept my arm strength up and conditioned my arm, and then got here, and now I'm playing right-handed again. Yeah, when did, did the Mets say at what point they saw the potential for you to move back if you were doing so much outfield in college? They just they always wanted me to play infield. Um, play second base. They just, they just thought I was good enough to play there. Right. So, yeah. And how much did you get to know the organization? Because they, they took you, I think, the 20th round a couple of years ago, yeah. 2016. Yeah. What was that process going through that first time and then getting to go through the same organization again? Yeah, um, so it was pretty cool the first time. Like, in high school, being a Florida guy, they, you get to go <laughs> you get to go to the – to St. Lucie and like work out there. Okay. And so that was a good experience getting to know that system, like how they work and like how like everything is and like what they do there. Right. And literally being a day in the life in spring training there. So that was kind of cool and kind of fell in love with that. Okay. So yeah, and then that's pretty much the experience I have and then playing in Brooklyn. Right, yeah, no, for yeah. sure. And uh, was it just the idea of going into college, improving your draft stock? I mean, why not sign with that? I mean, 20th round, there's plenty of chance for improvement there, but um, yeah. what, what went into that decision the first time? Um, definitely wanted to sign out of high school. It made sense. I got a few calls in the second round, second, third round. Okay. Um, but ended up not working out, and I really wanted to go to school and, uh, and go to a university like South Carolina. That's, right. Pretty good, pretty good experience. Right. And what is the, uh, how do you got to kind of compare playing in a big conference like you did at South Carolina to playing here in Pro Bowl, playing here in the New York Penn League? How do yeah. they kind of compare other than just aluminum bats versus wood bats? Yeah, um, the pitching is pretty similar, except for there's a lot, like every reliever is good here. Like, So every starting pitcher in in uh, the SEC is legit. Right. They're legit. They, they can probably all play in this league and do well. Um, but I think here the relievers are just a lot better than most relievers in, in the SEC. But, I mean, the closers are good, too, in the SEC. It's just like right. the, it's just consistency of pitchers in this league. And, obviously, the hitters in the SEC are just unbelievable. Right. I mean, there's, <clears throat> there's always a top five draft pick, I think, in the SEC every single year. Right. So, yeah. Who was somebody you faced in college that you feel like pre- prepared you especially well? You know, going through some of those teams you faced in Florida or yeah, Vanderbilt. Uh, Brady Singer, Jackson Carr, those guys, first rounders. I mean, Blaine Knight, third rounder, guy went undefeated this year. Right. Um, I mean, you can literally name them all. I faced <laughs> them. Um, who was another guy? Yeah. I mean, Kevin Smith on my team or on this yeah. team, played, he pitched at Georgia. Right. Uh, he's. Unbelievable left-handed pitcher. It's hard to hit. Um, Adam Hill, I'm on our team right now. Pitch at South Carolina. Um, faced him a lot in the fall and the spring. Two years in a row. That guy's 
unbelievable and that's also helped me prepare to get ready. Cool. And what do you feel like was your welcome to professional baseball moment? I would say my first hit, I guess. <laughs> all right. Because, uh, you know, you see in the big leagues all the time, like you get your first hit and they ask for the ball. Right. Like in here, I got my first hit and they just asked for the ball. And like, that was cool. Was where, where is that now? Uh, it's in my locker. Got to gotta wait till one of my parents come up to me. Oh, okay. Stuff. So, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, did you ship that immediately down no, to Florida? You just holding on to it? Just holding on to it, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. And uh, one part of minor league ball, too, like you said, you're playing every night, but also playing here. This is a big promotional park. You guys are doing all sorts of yeah. stuff. You're wearing Hefe's uniforms. Yeah. yeah, what what about it do you love so much? Uh, I just love that you just you get to be something different. Like, like it's just like, like you're, the, you're a Brooklyn Cyclone every single day, but now, like today, we get to be the Brooklyn Hefe's. Or, like, the right. other day, we were the Brooklyn Cyclone, or the Brooklyn Bagels. <laughs> like, that's so cool. I think that's, uh, I think that's funny. Um, just to be able to do that. Yeah, I was gonna say, sometimes everybody has a different reaction to yeah. that. Do you, but do you guys feel like it, you take a lighthearted reaction to it just because it's part of the game? Yeah, definitely, definitely. For the fans, you know? There's right. no fans, there's no baseball. All right, well now is the point of the show where we're back here in Coney Island to wrap everything up. We're all three of us here together, myself, Ben is with me, Kelsey is with me. We're actually currently on the Coney Island Pier, which is really cool. So if you hear some of the background noises, it sounds like water is lapping up into my microphone. It's about halfway true. There's a boat droning on uh, towards New York Harbor, towards the Verrazano Bridge right now. Uh, we're looking out upon Coney Island itself. The Thunderbolt lights are still on. The parachute jump lights are off. Uh, the lights are off on the uh, cyclone and the ferris wheel but you still get a little bit of that coney island vibe we've just sat through a game between brooklyn and connecticut uh ben this is this is your night kind of you know we're the ones joining you along on this journey you've been to mcu park before you've been to coney island before uh what are your kind of overall impressions of, of tonight and kind of being back here in official ben's biz mode yeah, well, as I mentioned to you guys earlier tonight and, uh, you know, to several people tonight, basically anyone who would listen to me tonight, I was kind of a broken record about it. But living in Brooklyn, I've lived in uh, Brooklyn since 2005. And um, right now I live in uh, Ditmas Park off the Q train, only about a half hour ride from Coney Island. And when I go on these road trips now, you know, only two ballparks away from having been to every single ballpark, um, you know, hashtag uh, career accomplishment for me. Um, it's not a good hashtag. But, uh, um, ben everywhere. Yeah, Ben everywhere. Thank you. That's the one that, that it should be. Um, it is weird to me to get on a train and uh, just go to a game that takes less time for me to get to than it does for us to get to the office every day. Right. And it actually kind of messes with me. I didn't go to the office today. I kind of tried to pretend my apartment was a hotel room. I'm serious about this. And I thought to myself, like, what would you be doing if you were on the road somewhere? Did you clean your um, sheets last night? How <laughs> How much of a hotel? No, see, see, just like hotels, I don't clean my sheets because it's all to protect the environment. Gotcha. Right. Okay. It's all because to protect the planet, you should never clean your sheets. And I'm, <laughs> I'm all about saving the earth. Um, so I lived in my apartment tonight, today like it was a hotel. And then just coming here, it, it's weird because when I'm on the road, you know, I'm just mentally somewhere else. So to be at home and also at the road at the same time is uh, very strange to me. But I truly love Coney Island. Uh, ever since the first time I came here, probably in 2002 or 2003, right after moving to New York, um, there is is still that charm here you know it's the playground of the world 
and you still see that here. There's a group called Coney Island USA, which has a, uh, I think, the only uh, freak show left in America in terms of having a, a standalone theater for a freak show. You just pay ten bucks and you just stay until the program repeats itself. It's awesome. Uh, you see that kind of quirk around here. There's obviously the original Nathan's. There is uh, obviously the the iconic Cyclone roller coaster, which gave the Brooklyn Cyclones their name, as well as newer amusements like the Thunderbolt, which goes straight up and straight down. It's really intense. Um, but I was just in Coney Island on Sunday. You know, not to see the Cyclones. I went to the beach by myself, and I was just walking around thinking, I love this place just about more than anywhere else in the world. People are always like, oh, Coney Island's dirty. The beach is gross. I don't go swimming there. On the subway back, some woman was, like, from the West Coast, and she was like, could you believe all the trash? And I'm like, really? That's your takeaway? There's trash? <laughs> not that it's the most beautiful place in the world? Not that, like, this is the people's beach? Not that you see all races, creeds, colors, backgrounds walking around in this ride of color and personality? There's trash? I don't care. I love Coney Island, and I love coming here. Um, so in a lot of ways, this is one of the few places where the minor league baseball is kind of secondary to a place I have great memories of. Um, but I do love seeing the Cyclones. Uh, Class A short season baseball, and today they played as the Hefes, and that was a cool experience. They've got a great front office staff here, do a lot of great promotions, and uh, I do think they uh, reflect the energy of Coney Island very well. Yeah, and, and how do you feel that uh, Hefe's personality kind of came into tonight because this tonight was Mexican night. They really tapped into the Mexican culture, played Mexican national anthem, all that kind of stuff. They other they have other ones set up for I think Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic uh, later in the season. Uh, but how do you feel like this kind of went through it? Because you've been through Copa nights before on some of your other trips. How did this Copa night kind of compare? And what was your view of the Brooklyn Hefe's experience? I think it's a good start, but um, you know, like you said, this was the first of three, and uh, being a Wednesday night, and also just demographically, tonight was uh, um, Mexican heritage, and there's just not as many, I don't think, uh, Mexican fans who come out to this night on a Wednesday as there will be Dominican fans tomorrow and uh, Puerto Rican fans on Friday. So I think we're going to see the energy of this uh, increase, one, while the team gets its bearings in terms of how they run these nights, and two, just with reaching out to demographics, which might be, at least in these communities, already more baseball fans. So it's a big experiment for the Cyclones like it is for a lot of these teams, uh, how to reach out to these markets. You know, you and I uh, spoke with two staff members, uh, Hispanic staff members, and that's been a great thing. Um, all I've been seeing that more and more. I know it was a bit of a directive, you know, from minor league baseball proper. But you know, if you're going to do something like Copa, if you're going to market these communities, you better have people on your front office, office staff who one can speak Spanish and two understand these cultures and these communities. And I just think that is so crucial right now. And um, you know, it's like interviews we did tonight. Just you hear that again and again. Um, we need to have fans in the stands that reflect the community in which the ball, the the, the team is operating. And that's not just good. That's one good for business and it's it's two just good for the communities if we're talking about minor league baseball as a crown jewel of the community then the community should be coming out to games and no one in the community should feel excluded from that and that's why i love copa uh, on the whole and why i think we're off to a good start with uh, the brooklyn Hefes tonight and you know they're tapping into that new york energy Hefes meaning uh, bosses and everyone in new york uh, thinks they're running things including me ben's biz king of minor league baseball <laughs> yeah and let's talk a little bit about mcu park itself um you know we talked about the experience of being in coney island how do you feel like it kind of nestles itself in here it's five minutes from the subway super easy for you know new yorkers like us to get here um super easy for anybody visiting the city to get here but in terms of the park itself how do you feel like it kind of plays a role in this coney island experience right well you know coney island has been up and down and up and down and i i don't really know the history that well but um to have something like mcu park which not only just has the cyclones but has uh, concerts and things like that i think is crucial to keeping coney island a destination for the city at large and i think the cyclones do a great job of um 
connecting you know, throughout the city. And you know, you you probably know this as well, or have experienced this as well when you talk to people who live in New York City who don't know minor league baseball very well and you try to explain what you do or what you write about or something right. you often hear oh I went to a Cyclones game I've been to a Cyclones game it is rooted in the experience of the average New Yorker and it's also a great tourism thing um, to one just spend time in Coney Island in general but two to have this uh, sort of anchoring thing to do you can go to the beach you can go to the boardwalk but to have a, a minor league baseball game as part of that is a great thing as well and uh, I think the Cyclones is a, is a key part of the Coney Island experience and uh, I hope to see this area just do uh, better and better and draw more and more people and uh, you know be the playground of the world forever and baseball is America's game and Coney Island is uh, America's beach and New York is America's city so let's tie this all in together I love America there you go I know yeah Jesus and uh, well how does this kind of compare to other short season parks you've been to Um, you know looking at attendance figures you know they obviously are in a good spot to draw attendance but Brooklyn sells more than I think any class A short season probably beats out more most class A and class A advanced teams as well um, what is it about the park, you know, how does that kind of compare to other ones in, in New York Penn League, Northwest League, uh, all those sort of types of leagues? I mean, to? well, you're looking at a really interesting market, both Brooklyn uh, Cyclones and Staten Island Yankees, and that, you know, obviously most uh, minor league teams are they reflect the biggest sporting entity that that market can handle. And then it's almost the complete opposite in, uh, in with the Brooklyn Cyclones in that they're a short-season Class A team playing in pretty much the most major league market in the world. So it's a totally different dynamic in terms of getting attention and uh, you know bringing fans in. Uh, I think, so you, one, you're up against a lot in terms of incredible amount of competition, obviously in New York City's sporting landscape, but just obviously also around Coney Island itself. I mean, we're looking at roller coasters and a- amphitheater and the original Nathans and everything else. And just the beach itself. And the beach, yeah, literally, yeah, literally the beach. So that is tough to say in, in this world of options to come see a minor league baseball game. Uh, but two, you also can tap into the New York City media and uh, and really and, and obviously just a huge population of potential people to come. So uh, I think the Cyclones have done really well through the years of cutting through the clutter, having premier promotions every year, you know, like Seinfeld night last week and, uh, you know, even something starting like the Hefe's uh, today, tomorrow, Friday, um, where they can cut through the clutter, you know, capitalize on the New York media, have the budget to really bring out people and special guests and, and make sure that it's worth people's while to come here and do it in an iconic setting that people want to be a part of. Because, you know, if you're not from New York, or you're not in New York very often, and you're here in the summer. It's really worth it to come to Coney Island, and uh, again, to have baseball part of that is just a plus. And I think the Cyclones do a great job uh, with that. And part of obviously the Brooklyn Cyclones experience, and this is where we bring in you, Kelsey. Who I think I introduced you at the top, but yeah. Kelsey Annigan is here with yeah, us. You she called was, her uh, uh, with our, friend our friend on uh, and off the podcast. Yeah, yeah. there we go. Um, so yeah, so you were Ben's designated eater, yeah. which is an experience. I think this is the first time we've had a designated eater on the podcast yeah. in, yeah. Our, in our 172 episodes I history. I know, yeah, I know a lot of designated eaters listen to this podcast. Um, I'm sorry to all of you. Um, <laughs> I'm but, just that special. But Kelsey is just that special, yes. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. So you were here as, this, as part of this experience. You got to do the culinary side of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of take us through everything you tried here at the park, which was not a Nathan's hot dog. I guess we should get that off the top. Right. I I have had many a Nathan's hot dog. So (laughs) I was was here to try something special and unique. Uh, I will say that, first of all, it was just cool to see a Cyclones game. I remember the first time I saw the inside of MCU Park was on an episode of Project Runway All-Stars because Alyssa Milano is the host and she has that touch uh, line through Major League Baseball shop 
And so they did an athleisure uh, challenge, and so she was introducing them, and they were on the field. And then I've been to a couple of NYU baseball games, but this is my first Cyclones game, so that was definitely a unique experience. Uh, and of course, getting to eat for Ben. I mean, I'll eat all of the gluten. <laughs> I'll do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is why I begged him to let me do this. Um, so yeah, so I started with the Aaron Sheeney Brothers Balls, which I believe they have at City Field too, so that's kind of cool. They're part of that Major League food world. Uh, it was six different fried balls of different flavors and types. Um, yeah, six for $12. Yeah. It was just... I pay attention to what I'm, probably, what I'm going, <laughs> what I'm going <laughs> to ex- expense later. Yeah, was, yeah exactly. Uh, no, it was good. There was a couple, like, just Italian flavors, you know, mac and cheese. There was a buffalo chicken one that was good, but a little too spicy for me, but also really good. And then there was a dessert Nutella one, which I feel like is good because, you know, every meal needs chocolate or, yeah. like, some type of sweet thing yeah, at the end. The, the and you've end. caught some flack for not identifying pesto. Yes, I know. I, I know. I was bragging about how much... Top Chef and food shows I watch and I didn't recognize pesto in the first bite. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was broccoli or spinach and, or like a samosa or something like that. But You were under a lot of pressure. I was. We were in the press box. It was a rain delay. Like it was, yeah. I don't know what your normal designated conditions are like. But. Yeah, it was not in a crowded press box during a rain delay. But, you know, that's one of the beauties of minor league baseball is yeah, you just yeah. sort of adapt to the situation uh, which you're presented. So That's very true. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think there's ever been this level of fact-checking on yeah. the designated year <laughs> it's before. It's true. Yeah, so actually the person who called me out, Andrew Bataferano, one of our writers at MILB.com, he was really pushing the dinosaur barbecue. Uh, is it Dinosaur Brother? Yeah. Dinosaur, no, no. Brother. Dinosaur, Dinosaur Barbecue. barbecue. Yeah, yeah, it's like an upstate New York, Rochester, Syracuse uh, classic, and they had it here, and I always heard good things, and like I said, Andrew was talking it up, so we tried that, and it, it was pretty good. I got pulled pork with like this tangy barbecue sauce, and they had pickles on it. I know some people are not pro Apparently, pickles, Apparently, pa- pickles is a very touchy subject yeah, well, in the barbecue world. Yeah, well, they like black world. olives, yeah, like just in general, people are... Yeah, I, I'm pro pickles, but you usually don't see pickles on a pulled pork. Yeah, sandwich. usually it's coleslaw, right. um, which I also I love coleslaw, but I don't know if I like it on a pulled pork. So it's good on the side. But the pickles were good. It added a nice bit of acidity and just something fresh when you're just eating lots of meat and bread as we were, <laughs> because then I tried a pastrami sandwich because you're in New York and you have to. Uh, and it, it wasn't cats, but it was pretty good. Uh, I liked that a lot. Again, there was, you know, a debate about toasted buns. I'm not a fan of them. And the pastrami had it, but the pulled pork did not. You also have potentially controversial mustard opinions. Oh, it's very controversial. I'm not a big fan of deli mustard. I know I live in the wrong city for that. Uh, it's very hard to get yellow mustard in New York because everyone loves deli mustard, but it's a little just too spicy for me. What's the difference between deli mustard? It's just like brown mustard. Oh, like, okay. It has like little yes. seasoning and stuff. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. I'm thinking more of like the Heinz mustard. Or yeah, the, uh, yeah, that's more yeah. yellow. Uh, French's. Yeah, French's is yellow mustard, which like I think Yankee Stadium got like in the past, like recent years, they finally added yellow mustard. So it was a big win for us non-deli mustard fans. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that was good. And then we rounded it out with some frozen wine. So like what all oh, good meals right. should have. I forgot that, the frozen wine. Yeah. And uh, with that, you said uh, you probably would have preferred white, but you had red. Yeah, it's like it, w- it was red, which cold red wine is kind of weird. Uh, and then I was like, well, white wine would be good, red w- rosé would be good. But then I realized that's already a thing. Rosé is very popular. It's very, like, summer treat. So it was at least unique of Brooklyn to have the red wine as the slushie. And how do you feel like that kind of feeds into You mentioned City Field before. City Field might, I think they have dinosaur barbecue. Um, 
And I, I feel like City Field is kind of the standard for st- stadium food here. They have Shake Shack, they have all that kind of stuff, tapping into that New York yeah. feel. Uh, how do you feel like MCU Park kind of held up its end of the bargain there? Beyond just being Nathan's, because yeah. I think everybody comes right. here thinking like, I'm just going to get Nathan's, that's what you want. But you got to try everything else, which was kind of a treat. Yeah, I think they did a good job of that. And, um, you know, the thing that I was missing at first was dessert. Because I was like, you know, I need something sweet besides that Nutella ball. And you look around and not only do they have Mr. Softies, which... My mother's from Brooklyn, and she will tell you that the rest of the trucks are not good. <laughs> Mr. Softies is the only ice cream truck you have to have. Uh, so they have that here, so that's great. And they also have the Rita's, uh, the ice, ice, Italian ice, Italian ices, yeah, yeah. which is water like, ice. yeah, water, yeah, which they have like right by the subway stop is uh, a main location of Rita's. So it was cool. They also had that inside to tie in the local flavors. And we should also mention, I think they have a Coney Island brewery. Yeah. Uh, inside the park as mm-hmm. well, which you can go to. Um, so all sorts of different options here. Uh, ben, how does this kind of compare, at least from an outsider's point of view? I know you couldn't have a lot of that food, but like culinarily wise, uh, how does this compare to how other places are trying to tap into like local stuff? Well, I mean, first of all, I would just say that uh, comparing the cyclones of today to the cyclones of the recent of recent past is I always was a little bit frustrated by the food scene, just even coming here as a fan, and that it was basically only Nathan's for years and years and years. And uh, Nathan's is iconic, and the original Nathan's is, you know, two-minute walk from the ballpark, so it made sense that they have Nathan's. But, you know, when the lines were long and it was kind of crowded, I mean... I like Nathan's, but let's just face the fact that, you know, you can get Nathan's like in an airport or a Pennsylvania rest stop or something like that. Uh, not knocking it, but to come to a game, you maybe want something that seems a little more special. And I think the Cyclones have done a good job in recent years, um, you know, adding the sort of items and the New York specific items that, you know, Kelsey was just talking about. Um, and obviously, I just think that's a minor league baseball trend that shows no sign of abating is thinking uh, what makes us unique, you know. And uh, in all aspects of the identity, you have to capitalize on that. So you think about what makes New York uh, unique food-wise. That's a you know a conversation you could have for hours and hours and hours. But from a ballpark perspective, from a Coney Island perspective, um, you know, you can go in all sorts of directions, but they have a few... Uh, you know things, and you know I think Kelsey was putting it well when I was writing down her quotes earlier. You know, you get a pastrami sandwich. That's that's very New York. Yep. Barbecue is not specifically New York, but you said you know barbecue that, is barbecue. That location, the dinosaurs, uh, dinosaur barbecue, is a New York brand. It's a New York business. Yeah. There's one in in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. uh, and um, so I think they're they're good at capitalizing on New York. And Arancini Bros is a New York company, and uh, you know, stay local, buy local, local, but don't um, eat locale because you're at a ballpark, you know. Low, low, okay, yeah, all right. I, I thought it. you were no, saying L O C A. I got it. I just scolded him. First, <laughs> first, like, God bless the playground of America. Now eat local. So. Yeah, yeah. Vote for Ben. Yeah. yeah. All right, so Ben, this is one of your stops on your Northeast tour now. It, it's mostly going to be kind of day trips around the Northeast uh, to some other places, but preview to us where you're headed next and, and where else you're going here in the next couple of weeks. Well, on Friday, I'm going to stick with this uh, at on the road at home theme or at home on the road, I'm not sure which one it is, but going to uh, Staten Island uh, Yankees and uh, on Friday night, just two nights from now. Um, feel free to join me. Uh, okay, or don't. Yeah. That's, uh, that's fine, that's totally cool. Uh, you know, I kind of like it when I'm better, I like it better when I'm alone anyway, actually. Because then, you know, I just get to do my Ben's Biz thing without any self-consciousness. I'm a very self-conscious person, but I'll be there. Actually, everyone come out and see me on Staten Island on Friday night. And then I'll be going to, uh, 
Williamsport, home of the Crosscutters, but not to see the Crosscutters, to see the Little League Classic on Sunday, August 19th. Uh, so that'll be an interesting game to see a Major League Baseball game played at like a 90-year-old Class A short-season stadium. Uh, then heading from there the next day uh, to State College Spikes because I've not been there for years, so I just need to see my friends in State College and uh, anyone else who also might be in State College. And uh, then Friday, August 24th, uh, the Aberdeen Iron... Iron birds. Iron. Iron the iron birds. birds. Yeah. Well, I was going to call them what they're going to be. They're going to be the steam crabs that day. So oh, the okay, iron birds go. are going to be the steam crabs. I got I got crossed up there, um, and so I'll be there August twenty fourth, and uh, so it'll be a New York Penn League kind of August. Yeah. Very cool. We uh, should add that Twitterless Danny Wild was with us during this experience. Yes, he was. He was taking pictures. So if you see any pictures of this experience that come across not taken on our phones. Yeah. yeah. Okay. High took quality. Those. They yeah. look yeah. to be a lot higher quality than you're used to from one Ben's biz. It's because, <laughs> it's because Danny Wild took the picture and uh, it was great to have him out for uh, the, the brief amount of time he was. He was right, yeah. You know and if I mean? there is light in the sky, too, you can tell it was taken by Danny because he had to bounce. He does have a long trip home to the Hudson Valley. We get it. We're, we're glad he was here. Yeah, he lives in Oneonta. He does not live in Oneonta. That's an inside joke for people who do not get that. I'm on know. the outside, guys. Don't yeah. worry. <laughs> All right. So that was our special episode from Brooklyn, from Coney Island. Thank you for joining us on this episode 172 of the show before the show podcast. We'll be back next week. Tyler will be here. Uh, Tyler is away this week. He's traveling. He's also moving into a new house. He's also producing this episode. So hi, Tyler. We love you and we miss you. Um, But follow all of us on Twitter. We're pretty easy to find at Ben's Biz, at Kelsey Hennigan, at Sam Dykstra, M-I-L-B, and I'll throw in Tyler there as well, at Tyler Mon. Uh, Find us on Twitter. Tell us what you thought about this episode. Tweet us any questions you have about the Brooklyn Cyclones experience. Uh, watch Mill TV. I don't have a game ready for you this week, but we'll be back to our regular format, like I said uh, just a few minutes ago. Uh, email us at podcast.milb.com. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Good night from Brooklyn. Brooklyn.